everybody, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. This is the podcast where Mike and I watch movies separately and don't discuss them until we get to the podcast. Today we're going to be doing Fitzcarraldo, the 1982 great movie by um, Werner Herzog. And this is a shout out to our listener, Tim in Michigan, who suggested that we do this movie. In part one, we always talk about our, our, our initial takes. Both of us saw it last night for the first time. Mike, go. You know what this movie reminded me of? that I that I loved well I felt in a weird way that it it's almost an adaptation of invitation to a beheading it's about a person who's trapped in their in their own idea right he he's full of gnostical turpitude and so he's cast out of the society and he's he he sails but he's imprisoned on that tiny ship and he's just in prison the whole time to show them how unreal their reality is and that he lives in the only real reality uh and I felt like the last moment of invitation to be heading like the last paragraph is just as triumphant um, as the final moment that we'll, that we'll talk about the ending. Now, for those of you who might not know, Invitation to a Beheading is a great novel by Vladimir Nabokov, and it's kind of his like his version of uh, before Orwell. But you know, it's this terrible dystopia where where Cincinnatus, the lead character, is different from everybody else, but he's different, and we're on his side, and he's different because he realizes that all the people around him are are empty and shallow and things like that, which is kind of what goes on with Fitzgeraldo. And I I think that one one thing that drew my attention to it is that the capitalists in this movie in Peru are almost comically evil. You know, when the guy, when the guy tosses his wad to the fish, uh, which I think is fantastic when they kick him out of the party and and they they say that they're going to send him through the the kitchen, let him, let him drink all the toasts. Uh, Yeah, there, there's something about, about overcoming, but I don't mean overcoming in the Michael Jordan sense this is like this movie is very not much not um the last dance or something where you see a person uh, achieve something you don't get great. to see him lay the first foundations for the opera house he doesn't get near the opera house so this is about the the spiritual rewards of greatness or the nebulous thing that art is right that there's um this is not my moment so i'm stealing an extra moment but there's the the scene uh, where all of the uh, indigenous people come out on their canoes and they all join him and they, they join the voyage and nobody can explain why it's Including just him. that it's just that art is a structure. And so there's, there's certain people that will reject it and they push him away. And there's, there's certain people like a force that converge on it inexplicably. And, and that's what it is. It's a coming together of inexplicable things, but without any sort of practical reality and without any practical reward. And that's why the movie has to end when it ends. It's one of the few, very few movies that defies a, a hard and fast rule that I have that movie should be a certain length. But I really understand why this movie has to be as long as it is and why structurally it has to make you feel the way that you feel when you're watching it. But it's it's both incredibly engaging and incredibly long. And I, I it was a joy and a struggle to watch. 
Yeah, you you don't really have that hard and fast rule about length because you'll you'll watch any movie of any length as long as it's I like good. Lawrence of Arabia, but for <laughs> yeah. the same reason. Yeah, I love Lawrence of Arabia. Actually. And it's funny you said like because this is one of the things I thought seeing it was this is a big movie, right? Now I'll often say to someone, I'm sure you use this expression, you know, do, do you have to turn this into an opera? Like, don't turn this into an opera, right? And what we mean by that is, of course, opera is, of course, you know, like operatic, right? It, it, it's larger than life. It's better than life. Of course, if only people really did walk around singing like Crusoe all day. And he says in the beginning, you know, it gives expression to our greatest feelings, or our deepest feelings, right? That's that's what art is. That's what opera is. This movie's not about opera. It's about art and what art does for us. And so when the, when the, um, when the, the, People in the Andes say, like, you know, a white god in a secret boat will show them a land without sorrow. You know, that's what art is. It's it, you know, even though terrible things can happen in art, it's this land without sorrow because it's it's it, the artistic world, like you said, for Nabokov is better than our world. And he sees a glimpse of that and he wants to transform that world into that. And, and it's hard to do. The other thing you just reminded me of is that he's kind of like, I saw Fitzcarraldo as kind of like the love child of three great literary figures, right? He's Kurtz. From Heart of Darkness, right? I'm going to go into the Heart of Darkness. I'm going to bring the light of this great thing, you know, bearing the torch of opera. He's going to put Crusoe literally on the end of the boat and play it, right? He's also like Ahab, right? He's monomaniacal. Um, I love when they're all saying like, why are you going up the, why are you going against the current? Why are you going up the, and when the pilot's saying that, it's just like Starbuck asking Ahab and Moby Dick, like, why are you doing this, right? And he's also, of course, Don Quixote. <laughs> you know, when you're trying to drag a boat over land there's something very you know quixotic about that there's a beautiful moment when the first canoe of indigenous people floats out from yeah. uh, inside the and amazon they don't know what to do. and they see him and they don't know what to do and what's interesting about that is that the camera stays on the canoe even though you hear the dialogue behind and even though sometimes the ropes themselves will drift in front of the camera um, before they come back. And it, it struck me that even down to the structural or shot level that this movie was about fixation and that if you stay fixated, things move out of your way. It, you, the, the vision becomes a structure or the things that you can see become a structure, just like he gets a crew out of nowhere, just like they're able to take a ship over land. And I was really impressed by that shot, although that's another uh, moment that I'm stealing. Uh, but I, I just thought that that was that that was gorgeous, right? Because the the triviality of their discussion of what to do is totally sublimated into just not taking the camera off of them and trying to figure out what what the situation is. It, it, their whole being is pointed in one direction, and that's the best way to describe Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, the the the, the film and the man. Right. Because he's fixated on this idea, right, this, that everyone laughs at him. First, he was going to make the railway. Right. And then he, now he's selling ice to make ends meet. But I love it. You know what you just reminded me of is when he goes to see the missionaries and, and one of them says, um, he says, well, how are they doing? And he says, you know, we can't seem to cure them, the indigenous people. We can't seem to cure them of the idea that our everyday life is only an illusion behind which lies the reality of dreams. And Fitzcarrillo says, I'm actually, I'm very interested in those ideas. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I specialize in opera myself. So again, like, you know, our everyday life is, is only an illusion. It's not real. Your, your dreams are real. And do you remember um, why the captain gets hired? I remember how the captain sells himself. He said, he, he says, I can tell the difference between reality and hallucination on the river, right? He says, the river's full of lies and demons and illusions. I know the difference. 
But of course, the, the, the joke of that is that Fitzcarraldo knows the difference because he knows that this, this world is just, it's, it's nothing. It's just dross. It's, you know, that there's, when you, when you listen to Caruso, right, you, you are transported to a better place and you, and you are in, in aesthetic rapture. And that's why you'll row your boat for two days and get, get blood on your hands and break in just to hear him sing. And I think that if you like art, as I know you do, as, as you know, I do, and I don't mean visual art, I mean like all like literature and film, like that's what it's like. Like, that's what it's like. Like you would do those things to feel, to, to be in the presence of something that great that you really can't articulate to someone else. I think that, that Herzog does a great way, great job of dramatizing that feeling. And I think that the, the introductory section to the film is just annoying enough because it, what it, what it has to prove is that when you feel that way, it's not without consequence. And part of the consequence is to make you a pariah. Right. That's what I mean by an invitation to beheading. Yeah. Because you don't fit in with anybody else anymore. And you're you're stamped by it and you're marked by it such that you 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 couldn't drink at the same party as somebody who didn't feel the same way. Yeah. And he even looks different. I mean, boy, does he ever look different, right? He could not <laughs> he glows. Look. Yeah. He literally, he's like like, you know, Tom Wolf walking around around the in the Peru. Um, everything about him looks different. But of course, you can't take your eyes off him. All those scenes of him staring and his totally like blue eyes, like you you, you can't look at anything else. And he sticks out physically, but he sticks out um like spiritually and morally among all those people. That's why when he does it, when the guy says at the party, when he tries to play Caruso and he says, you, my, the, the guy who cooks for the dog will get you something. And he starts doing all the, the, the drinks like to your dog, chef, to Rossini, to Caruso, you're, you're on his side. Aren't you like, you're proud of him for doing that. Absolutely. He's, he's making a spectacle of himself, but he's, he's ridiculing how funny it is that yeah. they should all be standing around because what they're saying is once they can get him out of the way, then the party can start. But he's the only real person at the party. He's the, he's the only real person at the party because he believes in something that they all see as silly and trivial. So welcome back in part two. We like to talk about a moment that really struck us or grabbed us as we watched the film. Mike, what was yours? I thought the whole set piece with the umbrella floating down oh, the river yeah. from the peoples in the, in the trees. And I think that at that point in the film, you're supposed to understand that there's a kind of religious conversion going on, right? That, that somebody is bringing their vision to a place where there is no vision and that it's either going to light a torch or it's going to be snuffed out. And so a couple of things. First, what I just said about fixation is also true of the shot of the umbrella. It's it's exactly like watching the guy ride towards you uh, to the well Lawrence of Arabia. In, in Lawrence of Arabia, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And and by the way, how beautifully shot is this oh, film? I was not I wasn't prepared for it. No, I don't know what aspect ratio that is. I don't know how that effect is achieved, but it has all the things that I like visually, including the overdubbing into uh, clackety shoes and the sounds of water, which, you know, uh, that I love. You're, and you're a sucker for that. Uh, but it's it's a perfect symbol of of society because it's something that should not be in the jungle, right? It's it's not a head, it's not a it's not a shoe, it's not a hat, right? It's not a body. It's far more ominous than that. What it says is, what you send upriver to us, we will send back downriver where it belongs, and that's right. That's kind of the spiritual dissonance um, of the whole movie. And of course, it 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 doesn't go that way because what he does is he's able to superimpose, overimpose 
um, his vision, right? He, he, the contrast to the drums and the hollering uh, and the implied threat is he plays Caruso's. He says, now it's Caruso's turn, which, which summons the crew, uh, which again, it's, it summons the ensemble for his, for his opera cast, which I just think is, is so utterly beautiful and, and structurally beautiful that that five minutes where you see yeah. the umbrella coming and he plays Caruso and then the people gather and they're on the boat together. That will give you the whole film um, in miniature. I think it's a perfect little synecdoche of everything that happens. And to the film's credit, it doesn't stop there because you watch him like, you know, I think your relationship with him, with Fitzcarraldo is very much like your relationship with Ahab is that there's parts where he's very admirable, but there's parts where he's kind of horrifying, like when, when the two guys die and because they get they get run over. Um, and that that's but that's like a moment of triumph for him. My moment was when we see the winch getting tighter and tighter as the as the boat's being dragged over the rocks. And and I thought to, I made a joke to myself, but but this joke actually opened up the more I thought about it into what we said in part one. Here was my joke. So you have to fill the viewers in. You ready? You have to view them in. So I've been trying to get Mike to read this book for like, I don't know, like two years. What book have I been trying to get you to read? Bob the Gambler. But it's just, it's, it's just a novel I thought was funny. And I know what Mike likes to read. I thought, so I'm watching it and I make a joke to myself and I go, man, this is like trying to get Mike to read Bob the Gambler, right? So I thought to myself as I'm watching, haha, and I keep watching it. But then I started thinking about that, that urge we have as readers, because you've done it to me too. Like you've gotten me to read like our mutual friend. I know it's one of your favorite books. Like, like why do you think we are so insistent? I want to ask you this question first about getting our friends and people whose taste we, we share and whose opinions we, we share. Why are we so insistent about getting them to like read the books we like and see the movies we like? Two reasons. I think first we, we don't want to be in a sense um, left behind by our own elevation. Right. If when when you when you when you ascend, right, you don't want to be the only one who ascends. You want people to ascend with you, right. uh, so that you're not so that you're not lonesome. And I also think, especially with regards to art, there's something where uh, I wish that I could go back and read our mutual friend for the first time. Right. But I can't, and so I need the canvas of your mind to do it. Yeah, which is which is why it's so much fun. Like when I would text you. And like, oh, I just got to the part where they got to this and you're like, oh, wait till this, it's going to get crazier. And like, oh, the, all this stuff. So that's, that's great. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I thought to myself, like, that's what he's doing on a massive scale. Like he's like, I like Caruso and you're going to like Caruso and I, and you've got to like Caruso and you've got to like opera. Right. And I think that like loving a book or loving a, a record by Caruso, it's kind of like being in love. Like you want it affirmed by other people. Like Fitzcarraldo is the super fan. Like he's the guy who's in love. He's not in love with Claudia Cardinale. He, he he's in love with Caruso. He's in love with art. He's in love with opera. And he's convinced beyond all discussion and all rationality that like opera will make the world a better place. It will turn the jungle into, into a place of beauty. Like, like when he goes, when he sees Caruso, who does he say Caruso was singing to? Him. Remember? He's like, he was looking right at me. He was like, he has, now we don't know that. Like I, he looked at him in his direction. Right. But he has this moment where Caruso locks eyes with him. And I think that, you know, he says it's a dreamers who move mountains, but I think that the movie dramatizes on a mass scale, this, this feeling we get when we really, really love a work of art and want to share it with other people. And it's hard because if they don't read the book, it's like dragging a boat. Or if they, if you give someone a movie to watch and they say, yeah, it was, it was okay. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, if you told someone to see Fitzcarraldo and like, I don't know, it was all right. You'd be like upset, right? If it was somebody whose opinion you've respected. And it's kind of funny, like that's what he's trying to do on a massive scale. And I think that that is, 
dramatized in the scene where he refuses to go home. He, he refuses to go to the brothel and he spends time at home on his bed on the deck um, surrounded by the kids who are playing with the right. ice. Right. He's he's rolling over in bed surrounded by his many children um, listening to the Caruso record. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows that like he 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 he's been touched by it and he wants to he has all the the the, the zeal you know, of the converted to try to bring this word, you know, to the, to the, to the, to the jungle and, and cranking it right on the air of the record. And of course, you know, things don't work out entirely, but maybe we'll see what happens at the end when we do the ending. You know, it's funny. I looked at a thing before we, before we um, recorded today, it was a transcript with Herzog on um, NPR. And at the end of the interview, you know, she was talking, he was talking about his memoirs about the making of this film. And she, and she, she made a comment. The interviewer made a comment. I think it was Terry Gross said something to the effect of, um, you know, this film actually drove him crazy. And he said, actually, I was the only sane one involved in the whole production. Which is funny. It's funny if you know, uh, Werner Herzog, uh, or, uh, or you pay attention to him, but, uh, the artistic vision and what we've been saying is that it is a form of hyper sanity, right? right? It's when you see what's clearly in front of you and everybody else is walking around in a mirage. One of you has to be insane and and it's not you. I, it's not really that art drives you crazy. It's that art makes you hyper sane beyond sanity and everybody who's merely sane is living in a dream world. Yeah. And that's again, and that's why there's a part where they talk about, um, you know, he says, uh, he says at one point, Fitzcarraldo says, sir, the reality of your world is nothing more than a rotten caricature of great opera. And that's what the world is to Fitzcarraldo. It's a rotten caricature, a, a bad, you know, exaggerated imitation of what the real world is, which exists behind this world, which goes back to that thing about the missionaries. Right. You you may think he's crazy to to turn the to turn until his hands bleed. But if you can see what he can see. You have the same reaction, which is they're only hands. <laughs> right, right. But I can go hear Caruso. <laughs> okay, welcome back. So in part three, of course, we always talk about the ending or the title or the key takeaways. I think we are fixated enough on Fitzcarraldo to understand where the title's coming from <laughs> as our larger than life character. So Dan, what do you have for the ending? The ending is so good because he, talk about being able to have your cake as a director and eat it too. I mean, he gets everything. You don't build the opera house, but you get that great moment of triumph. He's like, bring me your best cigar. And he actually brings them over in the ship. And what I love about the ending is one of the last things he says is when he tells that story about Niagara Falls. Remember the story he tells about Niagara Falls? He says, there was this, um, this trapper from Montreal who was the first person to go see Niagara Falls from Canada. And he comes back and he says, there's these unbelievable falls there. Like, you're not going to believe them. I can't even describe how big they are. And someone says, well, what proof do you have? And he says, my proof is that I've seen them. <laughs> and he says, well, I don't know what that has to do with me. But that has everything to do with him because that's what it's like to be a great artist. The proof is I've seen this thing. And you try to realize that thing you've seen onto film. And that's what great directors do. Like Herzog had to take this vision he had about this story based upon this true story of this guy who tried to build the opera house and turn that into, you know, this thing called Fitzcarraldo. And that's what all great directors do, right? You know, Orson Welles and Mankiewicz had this idea, we're going to make this movie. Remember, I don't even remember the original title of Citizen Kane was uh, American. And they were going to make this large in life thing. And sometimes that works. And sometimes like we've, we've seen with like, you know, Heaven's Gate or something, sometimes it might not work. But 
The ending is so great because he doesn't realize his vision of building the opera house, but he does realize his like aesthetic triumph, like we said, of getting other people to share in the joy of what he feels when he, when he listens to opera. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cliche about why people climb mountains. Yeah. Because it's there. Yeah. Right. And, and art is the inverse because it's not right. And, and it's, it's not unless I make it so right. Cause it, what he says to the, the guy when he's getting kicked out of the party is he says, I will outnumber you, which proves to be true. He says, I will out rubber you, which is true. And he says, and I will bring the opera to Quito, which is true. It's true. Yeah. Which and, is true. And so it's, the, it's the fulfillment of everything. And I, I think that's why we're, we're made to enjoy it, but you have to enjoy it apart from all practical reality, right? If there, if there's somebody, let's say you're watching the movie with a Philistine, uh, you, the Philistine cannot enjoy the movie from the sense that he's gotten rich. And so he, he has achieved his goal. Right. And that's, that's the structural problem that leads to getting your cake and eat it too, which is how can you win, but lose. Right. Well, he, I mean, he sells the boat back. So it's a, you know, so he doesn't, he's not going to become, you know, the opera house is never getting built, but he has that moment. And that's that great, great moment. That's why it works that he, he's in the red velvet chair, he's in his throne and he's smoking the cigar and the last shots are him smiling while he listens to that music. So it's, you know, the, the guy that he sells the boat back to who fed the money to the fish is never going to get it. Like he totally wouldn't get what this movie's about because he can't, he's, he's like, a, he's a, he's a, he's less than human. I don't know if that sounds too harsh, but in in the in the world of this film, he is he is less than a complete person. Well, he's made to express the obvious, but with glee, right? When when you first are introduced to him and he's sitting at the table and waving Fitzcarraldo over, he says, <laughs> "Ah, how glorious the sensation of losing money," which is, of course, why people sit at the at the poker table, but nobody but nobody says that, right? He's right. he's like a Popeye cartoon. Um, of an evil person, but it totally works. Yeah, it totally works. So, and then and what did you make of the ending of, of him, of him bringing everyone, you know, doing the pilgrim and singing that in that moment? Like, what did you, th- what did you feel or think when you were watching that ending? To him, opera is the epitome of civilization. And so what, what he is, is the, is a, a civilizer. That's why he wants to bring right. The, the opera house to Peru and he wants to build something which lasts longer than people, right? So what's what's the eternity of art? It's not just the sensation that you experience when it's there. It's the it's the monument to art that remains, right? What the, all the people that built the Sydney Opera House are dead, um, but if you see the image on a postcard, you know exactly where you are. And so what he wants to do is put Iquito on the map. Yeah, like Horace said, you know, art, you know, um, you know, life is short, but art is long. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about Fitzcarraldo. Great, great film. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MINFILM, or you can also follow us on Letterboxd. And let us know what to watch next, all right? You might have seen the theme so far in this year's movies or this season's movies, but we're going to keep this theme going. See you next time. Bye.